You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, whether I'm having a conversation with someone who inspires and intrigues me, or it's a solo reflection episode, my goal is to guide you, to give you some new and different perspectives, and for you to have a shit ton more compassion for yourself and being a human on this earth with all of the shoulds and noise that comes at us and from within us on a daily basis. I want you to lock into a deeper inner confidence and self-trust so that you are lit up by who you are, what you are doing, and how you are doing it, and so that you can stop stealing joy from yourself and claim your joy, your worth, your value in the now. My guest today is Adina Eden Mizari. And wow, was I inspired by this young woman. (laughs) She uh, is not just a multi-million dollar jewelry line creator, which is um, worn by an ongoing list of A-list celebrities, but she started this like in her own home. It's just a really cool story and journey. And yeah, besides this, what she's doing and why she's doing it, besides the the fact that she took a handmade jewelry line that she was like, (laughs) you'll learn how she started. It's incredible that now she is was listed in the Forbes 30 under 30 list and what she is wanting to do with um, her career besides sell this beautiful jewelry, right? So I was so inspired by this conversation and I know you will too. Definitely going to inspire you to be like, all right, how well, how can I get started now? And like, look at how far you can go if you just keep showing up. All right. Oh, as always, I'm always about to say, here we go. And then I remember to remind you, if you haven't yet, follow, subscribe the podcast and leave a review. Reviews really matter. I mean, they're amazing for me to read. Uh, they're amazing for other people to read. But even just the fact of having more reviews there is honestly something that helps the algorithms and shows people like, oh, wow, this many people have rated it. So it must be good. It must be worth listening. So don't try to make the best perfect review. Perfect review. Just speak from your heart or just say, I love listening to this show. Or they sh- she shares some interesting perspectives. Simple works. I really would appreciate it. And if you do, leave a review, send a screenshot to podcast at yourjoyologist.com, and I'll send you a gift from my product line. Okay, now here we go. Okay, so I love starting with, you can go even earlier than this, but I like hearing about people's lives in high school. (laughs) And like where, yeah, like what you were doing, what you thought you were going to do with the rest of your life, or if you were even thinking about that. So, I mean, it's so crazy because high school to me was like probably like eight, nine years ago. Um, So not too long, but long enough. And I definitely, definitely did not think I'd be doing anything like even close to what I'm doing right now. I was actually pretty lost and I didn't really have a set idea on what I wanted to do. And I kind of felt like, I felt like I was behind my peers because like, I wasn't really so sure, but there was one thing that I knew for sure. And that, that was that I don't want to just have a basic nine to five job. Like I knew that I didn't want that. I saw my parents kind of doing that their whole lives. And I was like, I, that is, I don't want that to be me. I want, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. 
to a certain degree, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I think kind of through trial and error, you know, through, you know, starting out on different jobs and kind of getting a feel for what it is to really work for someone and like just really what the outside world is, because really in high school, you're still in this bubble. And once I kind of like got out of that bubble, started college, um, started. Okay, let's, of- let's slow down a bit first. <laughs> so first of all, when you said you felt like, did you, so you're saying in high school, you knew a lot of people that were like, thought they knew what they were going to be with and like, I like declaring that really, I feel like I didn't have a lot of people like that. Like, I felt like I had a lot of people that just knew like, okay, we have to go to college. That is what our parents tell us. And so it was a big focus on college, but there wasn't a ton, you know, or I feel like back then too, I'm probably much older than you. I graduated in 99 people, you know, it's like, Oh, doctor, lawyer, nurse, teacher, like everything was like, you know, the like textbook, like, like choices. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Like, I don't even know what I want to do tomorrow. Like, wait a second, you know? Okay. So people there were like, this is what I want to do. And you didn't have that feeling. So what did you do when you graduated? Well, I knew I wanted to go to college. So my parents are both immigrants and they were like, you have to go to college. You have to go to college. We didn't even graduate high school. Um, and so for me, that was really important to be the first in my family to go to college and kind of set a precedence for like my siblings and for my cousins as well, um, being that I was the eldest. And so I knew I was going to do college no matter what. I just didn't know what I wanted to study. I went to Brooklyn College and what I loved, you know, that they really did was like, you have to take so many different classes and then kind of see what you liked. You know, there was like a ton of different prerequisites. And I think that's what kind of helped, you know, gear me and put me on path to what I do today. The fact that you sort of were like forced in a way to experiment with different things. Yeah. Like I had to take like psychology class and then I had to take an art history class and a geography class and like, like so many different, like I was learning archeology, span like from where to where, you know, like I knew I'm not going to be an archeologist, but it kind of like broadened my mind and helped me see things in a very different way that I felt like, okay, now I know what I want to do. And so did that start to come together? And like, so you said you entered college not knowing what you wanted to do, but like knowing you didn't want to just sort of like have a clock in job working for a company. Yeah. That you weren't passionate about. That was one thing I knew. Really, my parents worked their entire lives from the minute they landed in this country and did not stop. And they hustled, hustled, hustled all day long for other people. And I didn't want to do that. I said, if I'm going to hustle, I'm going to do it for myself, uh, not for someone else. And so, um, you know, after seeing their struggles, you know, economically, financially, and just even emotionally, I felt like that's not something that I want to do. And they, you know, they had to stay working because they had a, a family to support. I had no risk. Um, I just, you know, it was, it was no risk and all the reward possible. And so I said, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to change my life. I want to change my parents' life, my siblings' life. I was the eldest. So it kind of was like, I kind of felt like it was all on my shoulders. And I said, I want to change something here. And so I just didn't know what exactly I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to sign my own check. And did you like through college, I'm assuming too, did you have you know, jobs in high school and college to just be making money and paying bills? Well, you know, 
During high school, I would kind of babysit, tutor, you know, like that's kind of the jobs that I would have. I would do like, you know, mother's helper or I would do, I would be a counselor during, in the summers. But once that all kind of, once I kind of started college, um, I was really continuing like the tutoring, but like on a, on a higher scale. So I was like tutoring people that are just a few years younger than me or who are also in high school. And that kind of was good money, but I knew I wanted to do something that would not only have an impact on my life, but that would also have an imp- like a real impact. Um, I really wanted to do something with myself. Um, I was overweight my entire life. And then basically in college, I started to get into health and wellness. I lost a lot of weight. I got much healthier. I changed my entire life around. And basically a year to a year and a half into college, I, I figured out what I wanted to do. I loved jewelry. Jewelry was kind of my way of like expressing myself to the world without having to wear the same clothes as my peers and, and without kind of feeling like I look different. And um, I said, you know what, if I'm so passionate about that and I have this drive and will, then why not start it? And before I knew it, I just started literally making my own pieces. Word of mouth, you know, one thing led to another and I started to sell. And was that like, with you starting it, were you at that time in any sort of like business or entrepreneur class that got you thinking about like, what would it be? Or did that just sort of like, did that come to yourself? Like, okay, jewelry, jewelry is my thing. What if I tried making it? So it kind of came to me myself. I started taking the business classes after Mm. I started the business because I felt like, okay, now I I actually kind of need a little bit of help. My parents are both business people. So I grew up in a business home where like, you know, deals were being spoken about and like contracts and all these things. But so I feel like I always had that, you know, business savvy part of me. Um, And this was me kind of taking it to the next level. But definitely I took, I think I took 10 or 15 business classes once I started this, just so that I could kind of really learn, you know, learn what I can't learn from my parents, you know, because my parents only had experience. I wanted to learn also, you know, the terminology and how I could have a meeting and actually make sense and have people understand what I'm saying and know what I'm talking about. Um, And so that kind of helped me. But I started off studying psychology. And then eventually I went into business. So like I kind of had the best of both worlds, you know? And when you started, you, did you just start like hand making jewelry or was it, you know, like ordering pieces and that, like, what was the level you started at? Like literally hand making jewelry. Like I went Like to- what kind? So I went, so like I went to 47th street. I remember this so vividly. I had no bank account. I had a hundred dollars. I'm like, let me just take a hundred dollars. Let me go to 47th street. Let me buy some beads, some pearls, some string, some clasps and tools. And let me, let me start, you know, making my own pieces. I went on YouTube. I found videos on how to start a necklace, how to close a necklace had a double strand, you know, everything. I bought measuring tape. I I had every, like, it literally was like a little mini jewelry sweatshop in my basement. And I just, you know, started getting to work. I made the first piece for myself. Then I made some other pieces. I started selling them to my friends. 
they were like, yes, I'll take one. I'll buy one like a hundred for sure. Family, friends. And before I knew it, I had like a ton of orders. That little, you know, seed money kind of helped me go back, buy more. And then I created an Instagram page. At the time, Instagram was like literally just, you know, like a fa- like a Facebook. It was very simple. Like just take pictures, post a picture of the sunset, pictures of family. Right. That's probably like when everybody was posting like the pictures of what they ate for lunch and like not in a very pretty way. Like it was like a terrible photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it was very, very simple, you know? And I said, you know what, let me, this is how I can reach other people without having their numbers or without going and knocking on their doors. And so I started this Instagram page and it was a business page. And before I knew it, people started to like comment and I had to put my phone number in the bio because there was no DMs. So that's so crazy. Instagram before DMs, right? It was, there was no stories. There was no DMs. Right, right, right. craziest thing. So like I would post a picture and I would say like, I have a few pieces available. This is the price. Text me if you want to purchase. And people would literally text me and, and they'd be like, can you make it a little longer? Can you make it a little shorter? I want it to be a choker. I want it to be a necklace. Can you make me a bracelet? And then I would literally get in my car, deliver it to them. They would pay me. And And before I knew it, I was just like, okay, now I have to open up a square account so that I could take credit card because not everyone wants to pay cash and then like paying taxes and then this and that. And then I was like, you know what? Let me expand this. Let me actually, you know, do trunk shows. So I started doing trunk shows and trade shows and selling um, at boutique shops and all these things. And before I knew it, my brother graduated high school. He's two years younger than me. And I told him, Meyer, I think I have a really good business going. Can you help me out? I want to start a website. And he's like a tech genius. So he's like, yeah, you know what? Let's do it. And so I brought him on. We started a website. We started posting stuff. That was when we started to like, okay, let's go travel. Let's start getting factories. Let's start manufacturing. Right. I was about to say, at this time, is it ju- it's still... It's still you still me. just going to 40, whatever street, <laughs> buying the materials, making them, and then even like dropping them off. At Literally people. dropping them off. <laughs> like, it was crazy. And know? also at this time, like how much, well, like even when you first made the first couple and you, like your friends were like, I'll buy one, how much were you selling it for? And then when you did start posting on Instagram, like what, like what 36, were the six, like $36, 36. Yeah. Got it. So that's not like super expensive at the same time. That's not like, yeah. So I want nothing. (laughs) I wanted jewelry that was going to last. Um, but that's also not going to like break your bank because to me it was like, there was two roads. It's either you're going to Claire's and you're spending $10 on a piece of jewelry. That's going to last you a minute, or you're going to, you know, Tiffany's and you're spending real money. Like there was no in between brand, not that I saw. And I wanted to kind of, you know, dive into that niche and really create this brand that was like middle, like a middle ground, not super expensive, not super cheap, high quality, great pieces that would last, not a lifetime, but like that would last and that would be worth the money you're paying for. I didn't want to put like a branded, you know, like sometimes you buy something from a company and you know that you're paying a specific price because it's a brand name. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be honest. I wanted to sell the pieces for what they were worth and not, you know, for more than that, even though I was taking time out of my day to create these pieces. 
Trisha here, and I am so freaking excited to announce that in my From the Heart community, which is over on Substack, not only do you get what I've already been offering if you join, but now I've added live, live Zoom meetups that happen once a month. So for only $12 a month, it's less if you do an annual membership, you get three to five either written or audio from the heart messages each week. So they come right to your inbox and they're over on the Substack app. So you can go through archives and go through, you know, ones that have been listed months ago. Open the email, check it anytime. They're heart talks, mind talks, and um, giving you love and inspiration and little like implanting things for you to take with you throughout your day and your life. So those happen three to five times a week. I also do monthly journal prompts. Um, a couple times a month, there's guided audio affirmations where I'm saying an affirmation to you and then you have the space to say it back. It's really cool. You can also submit to Ask Trisha and get direct support, advice, guidance for me. And you can do that anonymously if you choose. And now we're going to have these virtual monthly meetups. They'll happen at a different day of the week and time each month to make time for different time zones. I will host the recordings and you'll have access to those if you are part of the community. So check it out, trishahuffman.substack.com backslash subscribe. The list will be, a link will be in the show notes. Also feel free to, you know, you go to yourjoyologist.com and find it. DM me at underscore Trisha Huffman. And I'm excited for more things to come. All right, join the From the Heart community and let's get back to the episode. Right. So even though, like, and that's the thing, everything does cost a lot of money. So when you're like buying, I'm sure the the materials to make that, it wasn't like, oh, great, that costs two dollars, and it, like besides then your time of putting it in there. So yeah, like making making things t- really does like whether it's being made manufactured in some sort of factory or being handmade, like either way, like things cost, it costs money to make things. It, <laughs> like, costs, that's costs, it costs money. It's time. It's, it's like, there's and so, the packaging, the, yeah. all of it. Yes. All of, there's in so the much. beginning, I wasn't really making that much money, but I wanted to kind of get the foot in the door because I knew like this woman is buying something for me now. And tomorrow she may need to buy something for her granddaughter. She may have like a bat mitzvah or a birthday party and she's going to need things and she'll come back to me because she knows that I have a good price, you know? And that's what I started to see that I was retaining all these customers. So when your brother comes on board and you're going to build a website and then you do realize like, okay, I'm going to need some help like making things. What was your first like step looking for someone else to help you or you went straight to like, a like manufacturer straight to a manufacturer yeah and it was gonna be too crazy and it it did at one point like it did get too crazy i had to remove from the site the items that i used to make by hand because the orders like i could not keep up and um eventually that's when we turned into not having handmade pieces and to actually curating designing and then manufacturing our own pieces abroad that, so when you started, you still were do when you started that process, you would still have your handmade items on there. And then you also like started, oh, okay, let's manufacture this. Let's like here's a design for like this piece and then this piece. And then it, your handmade items became too hard to keep up with. Couldn't keep up. I was staying up till two, three in the morning 
doing, you know, making necklaces. It was just too much. And so how, what, did you luck out on finding a manufacturer right away? You know, like, cause yeah, how do you go about that? Cause I'm sure there's so many people out there that have an idea to do something and then it's scary to try to outsource it and hope that it's going to pull through, like it's actually going to be what you want and they're not going to just take your money or whatever. The quality is as good. Did that take a long time? So it didn't take too long. You know, we did have to travel to certain trade shows to start, you know, finding these factories, but people are going to screw you, you know, especially I was 19 years old. People are like, oh, they're young. You know, what do they know? You know? And so, yes, a hundred percent. There were people who took advantage of us, who, you know, stole from us, who, you know, screwed us over. But at the end of the day, it was about finding those few right ones. I wasn't going to go put all my eggs in one basket, but at the same time, I wasn't going to spread myself out so thin that I'd be, you know, working with a hundred different factories. I met those people in person. I felt like I could trust them. And little by little, we started to kind of build a relationship. And were they domestic or overseas? So, so at the trade shows, you did meet people traveling from overseas. Yes. I would go to like the international pavilions within the show and I would meet people from all over. Got it. So you at least like though met, had a in-person connection rather than like emailing someone off Alibaba or something. <laughs> no, no, no. So I always tell people there's certain things that you could do that for like packaging or, you know, like if you need boxes or, or, or bags, things like that. Yes, you can definitely do that. Go on Alibaba, find a seller, you know, start like a connection for sure. But this was the actual jewelry. I literally wanted to meet these people. We exchanged numbers. We were only messaging through WhatsApp. I mean, it was, it was really crazy. You know, like I would literally be placing orders at three in the morning because they were up, uh, like, you know, waiting for them to get up and then placing orders, you know, via WhatsApp you know, and then DHL bringing over the items, opening up packages. This is missing. This is not here. You overshipped me this, you short shipped me this, like, and then just kind of figuring it out along the way. And so, and yeah, when you first started manufacturing items, I'm guessing like how many items, like different products was it? So, I mean, I mean, everyone's going to tell you, like you start off small, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't go out there and spread yourself out too thin. Um, obviously factories have what's called an MOQ, which is a minimum order quantity. So I went after these small mom and pop factories that weren't going to tell me, Hey, we need a 500 piece MOQ. Right. Cause usually, by the way, for people like when you're 500 minimum order is usually for one item, not like, Oh, I'm getting great. I'll order 50 different designs or something like that. So you have to get 500 of like, Oh, great. I want whatever. I want this necklace, this which, exact necklace, <laughs> which I knew, I knew at the time, like, there's no way we were, we, we couldn't handle that, you know? And so I went to the ones who said, okay, we have like a 20 piece MOQ, but like, and I told them like 20 pieces, but I will give you a bunch of styles. I'm not going to buy just five styles from you. You know, like we're going to actually build a collection together and I'm going to, you know, give you my designs and you're going to keep them exclusive to me and produce them for me. And I'm, I'm sure I'll have reorders, you know, and a lot of it was, I kind of, you know, I had to bullshit a little bit and I tell them, I'll, I guarantee you, like, I, I know that I can sell these pieces and I know I'm going to come back for reorders and I'm an account that's going to grow so big. You're going to want to 
be doing business with me. And trust me, that's exactly how it went. And the one, and the ones that screwed me over, I mean, I left them behind. And today they reach out to me all the time, begging to do business with me. And I always tell them from when I was a kid, I told you, you screwed me over. You stole from me when I needed you most. And I didn't have, you know, I wasn't financially stable and, um, I'll never do business with you again. And I told them, I'm, you're going to see, I'm going to, I'm going to really become this real legitimate business and I'm, I'm not going to come by from you. And, and, and I mean, in a way there's no greater satisfaction than that because, because, you know, the ones who did believe in me and the ones who did trust me, there's nothing that makes me happier than giving them the business and supporting them, especially when we had a worldwide pandemic where no one knew what was going to be happening you know, supporting them through times like that. And then of course, post COVID was, it's a, it's, it was a great feeling because they were there for me all along. They trusted me. So that sounds like, did you try a, a couple different people at once or did you like have to keep like, Oh, okay, I'm going to try this person. Oh wait, that didn't work out. Or they're trying to screw me over. That's not now I try this. Like, so like, did you have to keep trying different like manufacturers until you found the one, the like, the ones that were going to consistently show up for you? Absolutely. There was, there was definitely a time where I could say we were in limbo. I was going to say, yeah. Did you have moments of like, never mind, this isn't going to work out. Like I'm going to try something else. This isn't it. Yeah, absolutely. Like there were times where it was like, okay, this is not going to work out. But one thing I'm going to say, and I think this is extremely important for people to listen to is that Certain factories are good for certain things. Meaning if I work with a factory in Italy, they're great to manufacture chains. I'm not going to go to a factory in China or in Turkey or in Spain for chains. I will only buy chains from Italy. So if you're not an Italian factory or an Italian vendor, there's no reason for me to to, to buy chains from you because you're buying it from Italy and then you're reselling it to me. At that point, you're already the, th- I'm already the third mover. I don't want that. I want to go directly to the factory and buy from them what their experts are at, at, at creating. So they have the machinery, they have the manpower, they have the tools to create these things. So, but then at the same time, I'm not going to go to Italy to buy pearls. So I'm going to buy that from Turkey or from Spain or from somewhere else. So it's about knowing which factory could manufacture for me the best items within that collection and then going to them with that. So if I had a hundred items in a collection, those hundred pieces are not all going to one factory. I was splitting it up by different countries for, for, for which factory would manufacture the highest quality at the best price for that specific item. And I think that's something that a lot of young entrepreneurs don't necessarily know because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, but at the same time, not every factory will be able to deliver to you quality that you're looking for on items that they're not experts at. And I'm guessing that stuff that you had to figure out along the way or learn from someone or something too, right? Because I wouldn't have thought like, yeah, I'd be like, right, great. You picked great. I'm sticking with China or this, like whatever, but like, what? Oh, chains come from Italy. Like (laughs) it took, it took time 
to learn that. Like I said, trial and error, you know, I, I would see the pieces. I'm like, this is not good quality. This does not make sense. Or this pricing is way too high. Something's, something's off here, you know? And that's how you kind of, uh, you learn. But I mean, a lot of times I would go on Google, I would type in like, you know, like where's the best place to buy chains from? And I mean, any chain, most likely any chain you're wearing, you look on it, you'll see a made in Italy stamp. So it's just like, kind of like not basic knowledge, but if you were to go go on Google or if you would ask the jeweler, they would tell you like, Hey, chains buy those, buy that from Italy. And so what, like, I'm guessing there has to have been so many different like growth moments that were amazing and frustrating and scary. (laughs) Many. Over the years. Cause where you're at now, like how many pieces of jewelry do you sell? Can you even like, yeah. How many? Well, I mean, I don't even know how to (laughs) quantify it, but I mean, we have on average 2000 SKUs. Wow. So that means 2000 SKUs for 2000 different items, like not like, yeah, like different designs. Yes. Unique designs ranging across, you know, real, you know, fine jewelry and fashion. So, you know, definitely our, our fashion line is, is bigger, but we also do carry fine jewelry, diamonds, tennis bracelets, tennis necklaces, and then, you know, just cheaper 14 carat chains. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, some items you're going to buy a thousand pieces of, cause you know that it's a commodity item. It's a basic, it's an essential. And then there's items you're going to buy 50 of, or, you know, a hundred of, you know, so it kind of all depends on, you know, what you feel toward the product and how much it's trending right now and how, how far you think it's going to go. Have you, did you end up bringing more of your family into the business? Did your brother stick with you from building that first website? Like what also happened besides you, you growing this amazing business? Like, what was that like personally life for and for your family and for like, yeah, just so Yes, Meyer is still with me on this. He's the CEO of the company. Love it. Um, yes. Um, we did bring in more family, maybe too much. Um, <laughs> all of my siblings are involved. So we are four total. So they are all, uh, you know, they all work in the company. Yes. We have cousins. We have aunts. We have... I'm <laughs> Everyone is involved, um, which is a beautiful thing. We've grown the business from being just myself and then me and Meyer, just the two of us for about three and a half or four years. Um, And then we expanded. We got an office space. I think now we're close to, we're more, we're, we're, we're already at like over 50, 60 employees. Amazing. And that's a lot. To like manage. <laughs> yes, we, we grew, we grew, we grew quite the team. Most of us are very young within the same range, age range as my brother and I, which is a beautiful thing. And, you know, I mean, we just, uh, we all hustle. We all go at it. We have, you know, our, we, we, we kind of tell everyone what's our goal, what we want for them. There's room to grow in the company. We tell that to everyone when they first come in, we like to hire from within and that's it. Well, and so you always knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur in some way. And then you had the jewelry insight of that being your thing. And now like how amazing that you have grown this. And so, yeah, like how, 
how has it been for you now? Like not just great. I make jewelry that, you know, I'm making a living by that, but you're like running a legit business with, yes, you just said like 40 or 50 employees, including family member, which is beautiful. And I guess, you know, can also bring in more, <laughs> more, uh, chaos in some, in some capacities. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> so like sometimes. what has besides, yeah, like, you know, have you continued your journey as an entrepreneur? Like how do you support yourself? You, did you end up graduating? And then like, is it still just like, the university of Google as well that supports you or like, what have you learned about yourself and how to be able to continue to grow as a human and an entrepreneur to like be successful, not just in business, but in like enjoying your life? (laughs) Um, well I did graduate. It was very important for me to graduate. So even though the business did really take off, you know, in my last two years, my last year in college, I did graduate. I made sure to finish. But yes, Google, but also many mentors, many teachers along the way that I would, you know, call or go in to see and ask them their advice. And, and, you know, at such a young age like that, people are so willing to help because it is such a refreshing thing to see that someone at such a young age has so much passion and drive to actually become successful and change their life and kind of make a name out of themselves. And I think that's what kind of got so many people to help me and be there for me. And so I, I, from the get go, I knew I had to surround myself with people that, you know, not only loved and cared about me, but also who wanted to see me grow and who were going to help me, you know, because at the end of the day, one thing I say, when you become an entrepreneur, when you want to start a business is you have to accept from the very beginning that there are certain things that you will not be able to do. I don't know numbers. I failed math every single grade starting from first grade. I, I I just can't do numbers. It's just not for me. And so my brother, who was a genius in numbers, he was like a 97 average in math his entire life. And he would beat himself up for those three points that he couldn't get, was just a number guru. And so I knew I was the creative. I was the personable person. I'm the one who could talk to anyone and have a conversation. And he, on the other hand, was this like cold, you know, hard shell exterior, you know, smart number guy. And I figured, put the two of us together, you have an unbeatable team. And that's exactly what it is today. When I sit in a meeting and they're going over reports, like I'm, I'm in la la land and I'm like, I just don't just tell me the product that's sold. I don't, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not my thing. But tell me what's working, what collection is is booming, and I'll take it from there, you know? And so it's about kind of understanding who you are, what you want to gain out of this. And for me, I didn't want to have to go back to school and learn numbers and reports. And I figured I could have my brother do that. And then when I hired my sister, she was great at marketing. And so I said, you know what? You'll do the marketing. And when I hired my, my younger brother, he said, I want to be in sales. So we put him in sales and he's accelerating there. So it's all about, you know, hearing what people want, what they feel they're good at, and then putting them in that field. And so for me to be the face of the company, yeah, at first I was afraid. I was shy to go on camera. I was nervous of, about, you know, I was bullied my entire life. So I was afraid to hear what people would say to me, but 
then I said, you know what, this is how I'm going to come out of my shell and how I'm going to take this to the next level. And that's exactly what I did. And it's about sometimes putting yourself in that uncomfortable position and getting yourself out of your comfort zone, but then really riding that wave so far to the point where you're like, I actually love this. Or at least you, you make yourself think that. And you're like, I love this. I really appreciate this. Yes, I may need help here and there, but I love doing this and this is what I want to do. And so that's kind of how we got to this point. And then in my personal life, I had to learn burnout is very real. And I was, I felt like I was at a point where I was getting burnt out. And so I had to take a step back and find myself. And, you know, I went to therapy and I kind of got over a lot of the things that I experienced in my childhood that I didn't want to really talk about or didn't really deal with at the time. And before I knew it, I was growing into this young woman who had her head on her shoulders, who knew what she wanted and who said she's going to do whatever she has to do to go after it. And before I knew it, you know, here I am today. You brought up so many um, great, valuable things. I'm going to dive way back into even like when you were first wanting to and like that you knew like you were looking for mentors and you knew that you like wanted to find people to help you. I think that that is so huge because I do think that people want to create something for their own. Oftentimes they do then say like, it's just me. Okay. Like, you know on me and an entrepreneur. So like you had that awareness and like, we're putting yourself out there. And then, you know, with also the, then the awareness of great, I want to build this. I want to do this. And I know I am not good at this and I am not this. And like, who can, you know, like, great, let me bring my brother on board to do that. Oh, great. This. And like seeing, sure, this is my idea and my vision. And let me bring these people on. They just happen to be for you, your family. <laughs> But that had these like, great, you handle this part. And like, so finding those people that can take over the spots that are not what lights you up and makes sense for you. And then, uh, yes, the entrepreneur burnout where it's like so funny of like, oh, I don't, I'm going to want to work for somebody else. And then you work for yourself and like working nonstop. And even, yeah, when you're talking about the working with the manufacturers overseas first and like you're messaging at 3 a.m. and stuff, at first I was probably accelerating and like, oh my gosh, look at me making things happen. And it's in like the middle of the night because that's how it works. And then, but if you stick with that... I actually want to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) But going back to like the mentors, I do feel like in some ways when you're younger, it can feel easier, right? To look for help, but sometimes not. Sometimes it wants to be like, let me prove myself. So I'll show you. Do you have any like tips or advice for just opening yourself up and like, yeah, looking for that support and finding mentors and people that want to support you and cheer you on? I think for me, being that I was in school, I had like this whole, like I had, you know, six teachers every semester and they would mention something in class or they would say like, see me after hours. If you guys have any questions or if any of you are doing something in your personal life, like, let me know. And yeah, at first I was afraid and I was kind of nervous. I'm like, I don't really know if I want to go to the teacher's office hours and just start ranting about my business. And, but you know what? things come up along the way. So you have, you know, products that failed or you have launches that didn't do well and you want to kind of get advice and hear from others' experiences. And so 
I knew some people in my community and I said, Hey, can I give you a call? Can you kind of help me out? You're self-made. Can you tell me, you know, what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong? I mean, the first thing was people told me, Hey, you can only grow so much if you're going to stay in your parents' basement. You know, shipping stuff out from your parents' basement. They said, get an office space. And I was like, but it's a risk. And they're like, it's okay. Take the risk. There's greater reward. And then when we got an office space, we grew into the office space. We hired people. We got help. I I didn't have to stay up till three and four o'clock in the morning every day, packing orders and shipping out items and also doing customer service and also uploading product. I started getting help from other people. So I was able to focus on other things. If, if that professor didn't tell me, like, you could only be a one-man show for so long, I'd probably think, like, hey, I could continue to do this by myself, you know? So, yeah, sometimes it's uncomfortable, but it goes a very long way. And sometimes it's easier to ask a stranger because you're just asking them and, and that's it. And, like, you don't have to ask them again. And they don't really know who you are, you know? And that's kind of how I looked at it. I'm wondering, like, even back to the sh- the shop where you were buying the first jewelry supplies, like, did you even, like, ask the people in there ever for advice or? I asked them how to, I told them, I'm like, I watched this on YouTube, but I'm not exactly sure if I'm doing this correctly. Can you show me and I'll video you? And they were like, absolutely. Like, come to the back. They would show me how to do it. They told me, Hey, don't buy this tool. But like, they were giving me like the insider tips. They're like, no, no, no. Let me give you this tool. We melted it over fire. So it's extra thin. Take my piece. Don't worry about it. And I was like, what? Like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And then I went home that day and I'm like, what a difference. Like, oh my God. You know? So sometimes it's just, you just have to ask and don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm a millennial. I was like, I don't know. I I feel like embarrassed to ask, you know, like my mom used to do that. And I used to tell her like, stop talking to random people. (laughs) But but then when I started doing it, I was like, you know what? People actually do want to help and they care. And people, there are good people and they're going to try to do whatever they can to help you. Especially when they see you're a young girl, you keep coming back. You buy more every single time. You're giving them the business And you know what? It went a long way. So yes, YouTube a little bit, but also they helped me. They gave me their tools. I mean, it was amazing. So yeah, you sometimes have to just jump in and just like ask because if not, why? I always say if I can learn something the easy way, why learn it the hard way? Trisha here, I'm popping back in. I told you about the From the Heart community, but I wanted to give you a few other ways that I am here to support and empower you. Of course, my book, F the Shoulds, Do the Once. You can get it in audible audio form, in digital form, or in paperback. You can also buy it from my shop and get it autographed. Go check it out, F the Shoulds, Do the Once. You can go to ftheshouldsdothewants.com for all the links. My daily inspiration app has hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations. You can get that in your app store. It's called Own Your Awesome. I still have products. I am closing out a lot of those products, selling out. There may be more to come, um, but I just got a new batch of the insulated tumblers in these gorgeous colors with the affirmation. So grab those before they're gone. And I do offer one-on-one coaching slash mentorship. I am here to give you that locked in inner confidence because I know I know that being a human in this world is a lot, and especially if you are someone who feels this deep calling 
to make an impact in the world in some way, to share your thoughts, your art, your work, whatever it is, write a book, podcast, you're a musician, so many different ways, right? But you have this calling within you, but you keep questioning yourself, you feel stuck, lost, frustrated. You, what, what should I do? What's the right way for this? Ugh, I get it. And that's why I'm here to help you stay locked in to deep inner confidence and self-trust so that you are fully fucking lit up by who you are, what you're doing, and how you are doing it. And then you're approaching your work and your life with freedom, ease, and joy. So send me a message if you are at all interested in that. I have a few different ways that I structure this. We can set up a call, a free call to talk and see if we're a good fit and give you the options. So send me a DM at underscore Trisha Huffman. You can send an email. Go to my website, yourdrologist.com. All right, let's get back to the episode. I make products and I'm sort of starting to pull back. That was one of the arms that I had, but there might be still products to come. But when I first, there was a, a time in my life where I'm like, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna only make products and these inspiring products. And I was starting with like, you know, posters, like, you know, letterpress pokers or something like that. I had no idea what I was doing or something. And I did like, would end up admiring these brands on Instagram. There must've been DMs at that. I'm like, I don't remember. <laughs> or maybe I just, but I'm just like, I, it can feel like asking some brand that I look up to, I would be like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I wanna do these things, but I don't know how to like, whatever. You'll be surprised at those people too in that industry, like the stationary industry. I did get a lot of great information, advice, use this. Oh, you want to look for somebody, you know, locally that does this, like that so many people did give me great information and advice besides Google, because sometimes Google can be a freaking mess to find your answers. <laughs> yes. And that, you know, like that you never know. But I do think it's like, yeah, if you're coming from a good place and you're, you know, like not, you, I think people too can sense your energy if you are just like, let me grab and take everything you have and ru-, you know what I mean? But like the earnest energy that they see like, yeah, you really want to make a difference too. And there's space for all of us. It's, you know, this last one of the terms that's getting thrown around so much lately, like gatekeeping, right? We're not going to gatekeep this whatever, which I'm kind of like, I get so sick of terms that are being used every five seconds. But I was like, yeah, so much. And there is, it's interesting now, even like, yeah, like some people that do feel like I got to keep this information to myself. Don't know, you know, not everybody is going to give you answers and not everybody is going to like, you know, (laughs) give you that support. it It comes with the territory. Like, you, you, there's like, there's out of every people that are going to tell, like out of the 10 people that are going to tell you no, that one person who tells you yes is, is worth more than those 10 people. Trust me. Exactly. Like, and like to not make it mean anything about, oh, okay, never mind. I won't ask anybody. Like, that's not your person. And like, you know, like, great. But like, there are so many kind people out there that do want to support you. And, and just, again, like how you're asking it. So that's what I figured. I was like, I have a feeling that that first jewelry store ended up being like a great resource for you. It, because though you decided to ask and not just go in there and buy stuff and, and go home. Shy. I was super, super shy. Like I was so embarrassed to even ask. And they were like, we were kind of waiting for you to ask because we kept saying, what is this girl doing with all these things? Does she know what she's doing? You know? And, and so like, it was so great to hear that like insider tip and advice and it was just you know it's like it's so crazy because those people even at, at the beginning I told them like oh I only have a visa and I or I only have cash and they're like don't worry come back and pay us in a week take a little extra pay us back in two weeks like they trusted me to come back and that goes such a long way 
you know, because I don't, I don't know who today you can find who would tell you like, Hey, I'll upfront you the goods, pay me when you sell it. You know, if you're not this like massive company, you know, but like, that's how much they trusted me. And so I feel like it's also who you are that really makes a difference because when they see an honest, loyal person, they're going to, they're going to try to do whatever they can to help you. And I think that's what also went a very long way. That's true because also, so I made an affirmation deck back in like 2014. Now people are really have been able to publish their own decks. Like it happens a lot more, but I feel like I was one of the only people that like sort of did it on my own years ago. And so then because of that, I would constantly get messages from people like who, how did you make your deck? Who made your deck? And I was happy to introduce like people to this company. But at the same time, it was it because it became so many, it depended how like I would just get a random person I've never heard from. I've never seen their name, never seen anything that would just be like a short who who made this or like, you know, like, or what, <laughs> per, you know, like what blah, 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 did you use or something like that? So also the energy, you know, of, of when you're coming to somebody to ask that, because I was like, not like I was like, here, I would love, it took me, you don't even know how hard it was for me to find a printer for a deck of cards that are 52 different designs on each with a box with gold embossing on every card (laughs) or no, not on every card on some of them, plus the box. Like it was so freaking hard. And that was the first product I made. And I didn't have anybody that gave me that information. And so I do understand the somewhat of the like gatekeeping, but at the same time, I'm so happy to give that away to people that meet me with like this respect and I can tell that they really want to make something passionate that they're passionate about and like whatever. So that is like for sure, like who you are that's coming to ask for, ask questions and ask for this and information I matters and like, is felt. And that's what I always say. It's like that first impression. If you just get that off feeling, you're not giving them your, your vendor or, you know, you're not telling them, you're not connecting them. But if you sense a really like, if you sense that this person actually really wants to do something and that they're honest, you're, you're going to, you're more prone to give it to them. You know, even if you don't know them, which is the craziest thing. Yeah. I guess that, you know, like it might be like, you see some of what of your, yourself in that person, right? It's like, man, I have been there <laughs> and I <laughs> like, yeah. But when you see like, yeah, cause you know, that person is excited to build something of their own and whatever, why they're doing it, all of that. I don't know. Okay. I, I wanted to ask too, did you like rebrand your, or was your, your, yes. And where did that come from? That decision? So, you know, we're formally known as Dean's Jewels and basically Dean's Jewels, like I said before, was kind of created in, you know, my parents' basement. The logo was made over email. It was very basic. Um, I couldn't really afford to have a whole branding agency help me out with it, with colors or with logos or with fonts. And basically post COVID, we felt like we had the financial security. Um, We felt like we grew big enough. We had a community, a cult following, and we felt like let's rebrand and let's kind of deliver our motto message, who we are, you know, what we stand for. And we said, let's rebrand. My middle name is Eden. So um, Adina, that's why it's Adina Eden. And basically when we first opened up our first brick and mortar in Soho, we kind of made it a very gardeny vibe. 
And um, the minute we had this, you know, branding agent come in to kind of just have the initial, initial conversation of like, what is it that you guys want to change? What do you want to do? He walked into our store and said, this looks like the Garden of Eden. And I said, wait, Eden is my middle name. And he's like, why, why am I even here? You have the name. <laughs> it's Adina Eden. And, um, and the rest was history. We said, okay, let's do that. I love that. And also, oh my goodness, I didn't even know you had a brick and mortar store. You have more than one? Yes. Yes. Are they all in New York or? They are. Yes, we have. Um, Cause we are also very New York. We're, we're New York based. Obviously we're very Brooklyn, New York. So um, we have a store in Dumbo in Brooklyn. Um, and then we have a store on Prince street in Soho. That's so amazing. Congratulations. I mean, I think having a brick and mortar store is, is no small feat for anyone, but I feel like even jewelry, like that's, you know, especially for not being, yeah, Tiffany's like, (laughs) like, Uh, but we grew again, we grew into it. Like we did everything, you know, for me, it was always the goal. It was always a dream, have a gorgeous store. Like eventually I want to have a store on fifth Avenue, you know, but it's about growing into things and not going too fast. I mean, we bootstrapped. So this was all our money. We weren't getting funds from anyone else. This was, there was no investors money to go and play with. It was our money. If I went and I invested money into something, it was money coming out of my pocket. And so I would feel that loss. And so we calculated every decision, you know, very meticulously. And so we said, okay, let's do this on, 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 you know, online first. And e-commerce was the biggest fad. Like it was like, everyone was buying online, you know, then COVID hit, everyone was home. Everyone was shopping online. Post COVID people are like, I want to get out. I need that human interaction. I miss the touch, the feel I want to, you know, I want to see it. And so we said, okay, now is the perfect timing to go open up a store. And that's exactly what we did. Even though, trust me, I wanted to open a store from day one, you know, like there's a way to do things. And like, that's why I loved having my brother who's so calculated and so objective. I'm more emotional and creative. I was like, let's just do it now. And he's like, no, you know, like we can't just do that. Like we don't even have anyone. We don't have anyone hired. Like you and I are going to work on the store. Like, how is it going to happen? I'm like, you know what? You're right. You know? And then we kind of figured things out little by little and together, you know, having that balance helped us really get to where we are today. I love that too. And like knowing that was always your, your vision and like, you know, you've probably held on to it this whole time, but at the same time, like waiting for it to, to make, to make sense. <laughs> and so it made it, so it made such a, a much bigger impact when we did open it. And now I'm yes, running this company and I'm, you know, working on new designs and on pictures and on collections and on Instagram, you know, doing videos and putting my face out there. But at the same time, I'm in the store once a week and I make sure to go there. And when customers walk up to me, if they recognize me or not, I'm always there to help. And when they ask me questions, I'm, it's like, I can't explain it to you. I feel like the happiest person in the world because this is who I am. And this was my vision from the very beginning. And now I have it, you know? And so it's like, you appreciate it so much more. Right. And that experience of like, wow, you saw an order come in and you ship it out and you're so happy for that customer. But like, 
seeing the person buying the thing in person too. And like, and then also just the remembering of like, yeah, I, uh, just started make like this all started from me, <laughs> like in buying feeds or whatever. So, so huge. That's amazing. Um, okay. I'm going to ask you the questions I ask everybody. One is what is a go-to to raise your joy levels when you're maybe feeling frustrated or off or something? Either a mini vacation getaway where I will fully go off the clock, like, you know, or a facial or a massage. If like, I can't just get up and fly. That's for me, a very big thing, you know, exercising, taking a walk, just, you know, pulling back, not coming into the office for a day, you know, going off the grid for me, that's always a very big thing. Of course, a little bit of like retail shopping. So I'll, I'll go to the city, I'll do some shopping. But for me, really, the biggest thing is traveling. I love to travel. For me, like, it just heightens all my senses. It makes me feel alive. And um, it's also great for business. So it ends up giving me a lot of inspiration. And so it kind of goes both ways, you know, it kind of helps out. But to me, that's, that's, you know, just taking some me time, doing my own thing, separating myself from the business. That's usually my thing. I love that you said too, that like, it's, it's actually great for your business because of inspiration, because I think whatever it is you do, like even myself, I had this big reminder of last year of, of feeling like, okay, I have all of these ideas and things I want to do. So I need to be like in front of my computer, like making them happen. But when I would do that and be like, come on, sit at your, you know, like, great, my kids are at school, blah, blah, blah. And I have all these hours, then it would be like stuck and not flowing. And it's like, oh, when I go take, make time to like make myself a long lunch or take a walk or drive into town and have lunch with my friend and stuff like that, it seems like it's wasted time in some ways, but it's not because it's like all of a sudden I've come back to myself, things are flowing with ease. And it's like all of my ideas and everything usually happen not when I'm in front of my computer. It's like, that's when I'm putting them into action, but it's like, oh, I'm driving, I'm cooking, I'm <laughs> whatever, out taking a walk. hundred percent. And reminds, up, yeah. Oh, yeah. go ahead. It ends up, it ends up just helping things flow easier. And it makes, it makes what you're doing not feel like it's so strict business, sit by your desk, put your head, your head down and like work. It feels like you, it feels really like what you're doing is what you love. And it's just coming from that, a, a, a deep place inside of you that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. And then I'm excited to run back to my computer when I have the time and get it out of me instead of just trying to sit there like, come on, I know it's there. <laughs> um, okay. I ask everybody this question or how to apply this phrase to your life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So what is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank. So what is easiest for me is to be working by my desk. What's best for me is to, you know, what's best for me is to be on camera, to be glammed up, to be in the city, running around, taking content, stepping out of my comfort zone, that's usually what's best for me. Um, but it's very easy to just say, Oh no, I got to be in the office today. I got to just, I have to do uh, inventory or I have to, you know, clean up the site. But really what's best for me is going out there and getting a real feel for it and, and just kind of feeling alive. 
Love it. Okay. The last question is the name of the podcast is Claim It. And that is because I feel like so often we unconsciously are like trained to go after like, okay, I'll be enough once I do this or once I have this or this, you know, like this will be, make me successful. And then I do this or do that. Like we're chasing an idea of what we think something looks like. And then usually even once we have that, it ends up just getting, keep putting push farther and farther and farther. And so I feel like if we focus on what it feels like, like what would it feel like to be enough? What would it feel like to be successful? What would it feel like to be fulfilled? Then we can actually claim it. So what are you claiming for yourself right now? So I, I love actually how you said that because, um, unfortunately it's actually a crazy thing, but yes, once you, you accomplish one thing, you're like, okay, now it's not enough. I want to accomplish another thing. So one thing I really want to claim right now, and I think it's, it's, it's close to happening. It's going to happen. What I'm claiming right now is just because we've been, because of the rebrand, I've been, um, you know, going more on in, trying to go more on Instagram. We just hired a new marketing manager. So we're trying to get me more on. Right now, I'm claiming I'm not going to be this influencer blogger that like everyone else does and like TikTok famous and TikTok viral, but I am claiming to be very present on our social media platforms with also having a healthy boundary when it comes to the amount of time that I spend on these channels and not getting sucked into just that very social media life. Got it. And that is possible. Yeah. It's like, what is my intention here? <laughs> Cause like, I don't want to like my, I don't want my whole life to be on TikTok and on Instagram, but like, I do want to claim a certain amount and just have that be me. Got it. Love that for you. And I'm so proud of you. It feels like such a funny thing to say to someone, but at the <laughs> same time, like, yeah, it was still great to talk to you and hear your story and to hear that you've opened up not just one, but two stores and, um, yeah, that your family's all involved. So such a great journey you're having so far. And I can't wait to see what comes from you because you're still so young. <laughs> We're all, we're all still so young. Whoever you are listening out there, no matter how many lives you've lived, you can start something else right now if you want to, or in five years. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. I hope you really enjoyed Adina's story. Um, I was inspired. <laughs> you can go check out her jewelry line at adinaeden.com. The links will be in the show notes. Right now, they seem to be having a 40% 40, 40 off sale for Mother's Day. So go take advantage of that. Uh, for all things me, yourjoyologist.com. You can find at Claim It Podcast on Instagram. And at underscore Trisha Huffman is where I am most active on Instagram and TikTok. I love hearing from you. Please share the episode and tag me. Feel free to DM me, give me any feedback. If you haven't yet, follow and leave a review. Go get my book, F the Shoulds, Do the Once at ftheshouldstothewants.com or wherever you buy books. And make sure to join my From the Heart community over on Substack. Besides getting a few times a week From the Heart messages in both audio and written form, you get monthly journal prompts, uh, guided audio affirmation sessions, you have access to Ask Trisha, get direct support from me. And I just added monthly live Zoom meetups. These will vary from their um, 
day and time that they're offered each month. And some will be workshop style. It's going to be really, really fun. And I'm excited about it. It's only $12 a month. You can cancel at any time. It's even cheaper if you buy an annual membership. Go check it out. Why the heck not? And it is um, a way to also build community that you can comment back and forth and create chats and stuff. So hey, go check it out. TrishaHuffman.substack.com backslash subscribe. Again, check the show notes for easy links. All right. What are you claiming for yourself right now? I'm going to claim ease because to be honest, I'm recording this when my kids had to come home sick from school and uh, it's been a little stressful to get a couple minutes of quiet time for me to record this. So um, I'm going to claim, oh no, I'm going to claim peace. I'm claiming peace. I'm claiming peace. I'm going to walk out of this store after recording this, and I'm going to choose and claim peace. (laughs) All right, I'm sending you so much love.